Let's pray together. Almighty, thank you for just the beauty of Christmas. Thank you, Lord, that you provided room. And we pray this morning as we open your word and as we share together around it that we would hear your voice. Uh, May your spirit fall upon us. And we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to call your attention to our scripture reading, which comes from Luke chapter 2. This is that one passage every year that I get the image of Linus in my head, uh, thanks to uh, the Peanuts... uh, Christmas special. I always see Linus sharing this passage, uh, but it's an important passage, an incredible passage. Uh, so much here that we couldn't cover it. Uh, you thought we went over last week. No, I'm kidding. Uh, there's just so much to hear from the Lord in this passage as we hear once again the Christmas story begins like this, in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in strips of cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. This Christmas, uh, we've been talking about the, the promises of Christmas, that God has offered us a promise, and that promise is many-faceted. And we, we, have, we have seen a number of things. First of all, uh, we've seen the promise of waiting and how that waiting instills in us a hope, a hope that uh, the world knows nothing about, a, a hope that, that is sure. You know, wouldn't it be great if uh, your favorite team played today and you knew they were going to win before they got on the field. It wouldn't even be better or on the ice or, okay, on the, on the court, whatever your, whatever your uh, sport is. I don't want to, you know, uh, on the field hockey, whatever you call it. <laughs> if your team, if you knew your team was going to win before they got there, what, what would happen to their team? I mean, would they anticipate the game? Wouldn't it be an exciting game if you knew already you were going to win? you just get on there, and boy, you'd have so much confidence, and you would play like, like you, you didn't care because you knew you were going to win. No pressure. Just living life, playing the game, knowing that you're going to win. Wouldn't that be wonderful? You know, that's what God offers us through the Christmas gift of Jesus, His Son. He's already won. We've already, we're victors. Already victors. Yeah, it's still not, the battle's not done, right? But we're already winners. 
Some of you don't look too excited about that. It must be too early in the morning. No, no, see, that's the thing, Kenny. We're already winners. We're already winners. Uh, So this morning, I I hope that you have that promise in your heart. The other promise we talked about was God's presence with us, God with us, this amazing promise that comes through the birth of Jesus Christ, God actually going with us, uh, walking with us, leading us, directing us, filling us, and because of that, we can have peace. Uh, The Scripture says, if God is for us, who could stand against us? Um, And and that's just a wonderful gift. Uh, You need not fear. Our world lives in fear. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus' Spirit is within you. You don't have to be afraid. And that frees you up to do all kinds of things. To help people, to encourage people, to love people. Even people that don't love you, might hurt you, don't like you. It's an incredible gift. An incredible promise that comes with the gift of Jesus Christ in our lives, the gift of peace. And this morning we want to talk about room. Now, whenever you start Christmas decorating, you've got to make room, right? And you've got to make room for the tree. Now, this guy went a little over the top, uh, put the tree right up through the roof. It got one a little too large, I think, that week uh, or that year. Um, and, and there's that whole process of, of, you know, rearranging furniture and putting up decorations. And, you know, you've got to figure out, okay, where are we going to put stuff? And, and you've got to make room for Christmas, don't you? In your house, uh, you've got to make room. Now, maybe you, maybe you don't have much in, in your house. And I remember our, our first Christmas, we, we had this huge room we didn't have anything in. And so we got the biggest Christmas tree we could get, and it kind of took up the whole room. It was really kind of cool. And the best part was we didn't have to move anything to put the Christmas tree in. Uh, But that's no longer the case. Uh, Over the years, we've accumulated a few things. And so now when we bring the tree in, we've got to figure out, okay, how are we going to move, move the furniture around, get everything all set? You probably have the same situation in your life. You have to make room for Christmas. Well, I, I would suggest to you that that's not just something we have to do to our house. I believe we have to make room for Christmas in our hearts as well. We get so busy, so caught up in all the trappings and all the external things that have to be done that we forget to make room. Make room for the reason of Christmas in the first place, Jesus Christ. Now, here's the good news. You see, God has promised to give you room. And if you're willing, He's going to start to give you room. He's going to create space, uh, create room in your heart for Him to be celebrated this Christmas. So how do we go about uh, responding to God and allowing Him to create this space, create this room in our lives? Well, the first thing we need to do is have a willingness to move. A willingness to move. Notice, uh, because of Caesar Augustus' decree, Mary and Joseph have to move, right? Now, this is probably the worst time to move. I mean, they've just been pledged. Well, they've, they're pledged to be married. I don't know, probably not just, but a number of months earlier, they've been pledged to be married. I'm sure Joseph was working hard on the house. As soon as the house was done, he would go to Mary's house, pick her up. They'd have the big wedding shindig. It, it was all planned out, I bet. 
And everybody was all excited, couldn't wait for Mary and Joseph, especially given the fact of Mary's condition. It'd be nice for them to be married. And so there was this whole uh, excitement going on, and all of a sudden, in the middle of that, Caesar Augustus inserts his decree, and all that begins to change. And now, at the worst possible moment, they have to pack some of their things and head to Bethlehem. Mary being incredibly pregnant. Is that appropriate to say it that way? Incredibly pregnant. Uh, Joseph probably uh, just beside himself, saying, oh, it was almost time. We were almost going to be married. And here they had to move. You want to talk about all the stressors? What are the major stressors? You know, get married, have a baby, move. Those, I think, are the top three major stressors in a person's life. Uh, Mary and Joseph were up there with the top three. Not, Not only was it the the, the worst time, it was the worst reason. You know, to go to register for the census was just an opportunity for Caesar to, to apply more taxes to the people's lives. And I say more, yeah, he probably said, well, we'll probably cut taxes because we'll have more people, but you know that's not going to happen. That doesn't happen today any more than it did then. Uh, and so to count people just meant that he'd increase taxes. And here Joseph has to take a hiatus from his job to travel, and they're going to owe more taxes. Furthermore, if the baby comes at the wrong time, they have to register another child, and he'll have to pay even more taxes. Couldn't be at the worst time, couldn't be for the worst reason. And yet, in the midst of all those circumstances, God is pulling it together so that they would have room for this child in their lives. Their willingness to move wasn't just a willingness to move physically. They begin to move their hearts to be open to allow God's room in their lives for this child, the Son of God, Jesus the Christ. I want you to think about your circumstances this morning. Because I believe that God puts circumstances in our lives to move us to allow Him to work in our lives. You say, well, uh, you don't understand, Pastor. Bad things are happening to me this Christmas. I know a lot of bad things are happening this Christmas. I'm praying for a lot of people who are really struggling, and my heart goes out to them. But I, I got good news for you. In the midst of the struggle, God is beginning to make room for His work in your life. Begin to look at those circumstances and say, okay, God, these are the circumstances in my life. How are you beginning to move to make room in my life for you? It's amazing how some of the worst times in our lives are the times when we get closest to Jesus. Why is that? Because in the worst times in our lives, there's no one else upon whom we can rely Maybe you're just so busy this Christmas, you've been pounding your head. You're saying, Jesus, there just seems to be more and more work than I've I've ever had, Um, more struggles, more trials than I've ever had. How can I get through Christmas? i got good news. That's exactly where God wants you to be. Because He's going to insert Himself in the midst of your circumstances. And if you allow Him, if you would move your heart, He'll begin to move in your life.
in a new way. Now, some of you may be saying, well, I don't get how that all works. I'm not sure I get how it all works either. What what I do know is I've experienced it myself, and many others here have experienced that too. So begin to look for God in the midst of the circumstances of your life. Because Jesus is going to reveal Himself. God is making room. He's using those circumstances for that purpose. So if you begin to move your life, begin to move your life in conjunction with what Jesus is calling, how Jesus is working, you'll begin to see you'll begin to see that He has room. He has room for you, and you can have room for Him. Now, Jesus said it a little differently. I I just want to share with you how Jesus said it. You see, many years later, after His birth, not not too close, uh, probably about 33 years later, 30 to 33 years later, He said this, if you want to be My disciple, this is what you have to do. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. This is what he's saying. In the midst of your circumstances, you can do one of two things. You can say, well, listen, obviously, given what's going on in my life, God doesn't care. God has left me, abandoned me. God just doesn't get what's going on in this world. God doesn't understand what I'm facing. God doesn't get the the struggles in my life. Or you could say, I believe that God understands everything that's going on in my life. He proved that when He walked this earth and experienced those same struggles that I'm having. He experienced physical struggles. He experienced emotional struggles. He experienced... um, spiritual struggles he experienced them all he knows the struggles you face he's experienced it so in the midst of that you can say if he experienced it and was faithful he every day took up his cross and every day he was faithful to to the almighty god and in the end he took his cross and he died on it for me he made room for me let me move to make room for him And watch and see what happens. Every day, you, you've got, what, how many more days till Christmas? What are we at? 11, 12? 12 to be exact. 11 to Christmas Eve, you see where I'm headed. <laughs> 11 to Christmas Eve, 12 to Christmas Day. You, you have 12 days. What would happen if in the next 12 days, every morning you got up and said, okay, God, this is your day. I know I've got all these things to do for Christmas, but this is your day. Show me your way. I will follow you this day. I bet you if you do that, you'll find room for Jesus in Christmas this year. The second thing, besides being a willingness to move, Mary and Joseph also connect with people. One of the things I really like about this story is that they connect with this innkeeper. Now, I want you to stop and listen a minute because... In this story, the fact that there is no room in the inn is one line. Did you catch that? She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. Why? Because there was no room in the inn. That's all there is. And and sermons have been written. I mean, not short sermons like mine. I mean, long sermons have been written uh, on that one little phrase. 
And you can, you, I don't know about you, but when I read Scripture, I, I frequently uh, visualize things. I've been in Revelation lately, so it's been kind of crazy. Uh, but, but if you were to stop and look at this, this line, I mean, look at it, not read it, look at what does it look like? Now, this morning we had uh, James and Rebecca and Rick uh, share with us uh, an image of what that might have looked like. We don't really know what that would look like. What we do know is that if there was no room in the inn, they obviously went to the inn and discovered there was no room. How would they know that? Well, there had to be someone there. Someone there, probably the innkeeper, who said, hey, we're we're all booked up. I can't help you. And you can hear Joseph, the desperation in his, in his voice. But, but we need a place. We need it now. Mary's going to give birth. Where are we going to do it? In the middle of the road? We can't do it in the middle of the road. We need a place. Help us. The innkeeper sitting, well, what? I've got a full place. I, I got, I've got no place to put you. I, I don't know. I, the only place that's open is, I don't know, the barn. We'll take it, Joseph says. Mary looks at him and says, yes, we need a place now. You didn't think I was going to say that, did you? (laughs) In times of desperation, people begin to connect in new ways and in different ways. And when people begin to connect, room begins to be created. Special room. Ordinary places become sacred places. When people begin to connect, listen very carefully, when you begin to connect with human beings, ordinary places become sacred places. You begin to make a a connection that that builds a relationship that becomes a room in which God begins to work in powerful ways. You will run into people during the Christmas season. Maybe literally. I mean, especially when it gets really crowded. You go Christmas Eve with Pastor Dan. You go shopping Christmas Eve. You'll be running into all kinds of people. And you'll be running into desperate people. People who are ready to pull their hair out. Trying to get the right gift. Trying to find a gift that they can afford. Trying to find a gift that perhaps will make the other person realize how special they are in their lives. Or at least get a gift so they have something to offer. You'll run into all kinds of people during the Christmas season. And it's so easy to say, I don't have time. i got so much to do. And so when I run into someone, I'm sorry, i got too much time. Uh, But what if that person is the person that God has placed in front of you to create room in your life? You say, how could that create room? It's going to take up more space. No, it'll create room in your life. And here's the problem. When we run into people, we, we, we come with all kinds of fear and, and trepidation, right? We don't know them. They don't know us. 
especially in our world today, the question is, are they safe? Can I even say anything to them? What, what do they have under that sweatshirt? And our world has gotten to a point where we, we live uh, with these spaces between each other. And we think, ah, we have room now. Because, and, and you ask any, anybody, you, you want to buy a house with what? You don't want to live in the inner city. Well, there are a few. But most people want to live, especially people in this area, where do you want to live? You want to live where you got all kinds of space, right? I don't want to live too close to the neighbors. Right? You with me? More land, the better so that I don't have to worry about my neighbors. And just to make sure, I'm going to put a fence around my land so that no one gets on my... So I don't have to be afraid. And we build bigger and bigger and bigger walls thinking that that somehow will make us safe. The truth of the matter is, we've discovered in our country, I hope, that it doesn't matter how big your walls are, it doesn't make you any safer. The good news is that in Christ Jesus, you don't have to live with fear. You can live with an openness and share with people, connect with people, and even transform people by the love of Jesus Christ. It's an incredible gift. So when you walk into the mall, how many of you read my newsletter article? No, don't raise your hand. It's probably not a good thing. Uh, but, but my newsletter article, I, I went to the mall a couple months ago, ran into a guy who was dressed like a Muslim, and, and my first thought was, oh no, watch out for him. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. I don't even know him. He doesn't know me. I should get to know him. We back off of people who are different. And because of that, we don't create room. We create our world to be smaller and we begin to box ourselves in and we lose room. But when we begin to open our hearts to other people, then our world becomes bigger and we have more room. I saw this. I thought it was cute. Here's Mary and Joseph at the inn. And Joseph says to Mary, uh, they're worried we might be Syrians. (laughs) so they're not going to let us in Uh, and hey our world has created this hysteria hasn't it Um, and our country is brought into some of that Jesus calls us to welcome welcome strangers Jesus calls us to love Wait, wait, wait wait love whom? Kenny says everyone. Uh, It gets worse than that, Kenny, not just everyone. It it, it starts out by saying things like our neighbors, which is always a problem, to love your neighbor because you live next to him and you know way too much. But he also calls us to love our enemies. You see, in the midst of the chaos of Christmas, if we were to connect with someone, connect, I mean really make that connect, get to know someone, we will create room. Scary as it is, we will create room in our lives. Jesus said this, now, or the, I'm sorry, Paul in the book of Philippians said this, 
He said, we need to be more like Christ. And this is what Christ did. He didn't look to his own interests, but he looked to the interests of others. As a matter of fact, although he was God, he didn't consider being equal to God as something to, to attain or to, to, to use for his own advantage. Rather, he used it for the advantage of others. As a matter of fact, as the passage goes on, it talks about how he then offers himself. He gives of himself. That's a scary thing. It's one thing to give a gift. That's pretty easy, although sometimes that's difficult, right? What kind of gift do you give, and what does it say, and, and how will people respond, and will it be good enough, or is it not expensive enough, or is it too expensive, and how do I give this gift, and, and all those questions that, that fill our lives with too much junk. Jesus gave from His heart. And offered himself. That's what he calls us to do. Offer ourselves. Offer yourself to somebody. Give your time. Find some space. You'll discover that God gives you more room than you thought. Say, but pastor, I'm way too busy. Exactly. Stop. And connect with somebody. And lastly, uh, not just a willingness to move or connecting with people, but unexpected joy. Expect unexpected joy. Do you do that at Christmas? Or are you so caught up in all the struggles that you you can't seem to expect something new? Uh, Who would have expected the Son of God to be born in a barn? Never would have thought in a hundred years. I know why God didn't put that in the Scripture in the prophecies ahead of time. He said he'd be born in Bethlehem. That was bad enough. You know, Bethlehem was that little town that meant nothing. Mark read that passage for us this morning. But if, if God had said to one of the prophets, prophesy this, that my son's going to be born in a barn and he's going to be placed in a manger, in the food trough, people would have said, you're nuts. That's exactly what he did. And he did that to bring joy to so many people and to everybody. You know, because he's in the manger, because he's in the barn, anybody can show up. Isn't that exciting? I mean, a shepherd show up. Um, a, a couple years later, wise men show up. He's not in any better place. He might have been in a house at that point, but certainly nothing fancy. He was poor so that everybody could come and visit. It wasn't just for the rich and the famous. It wasn't just for those who had enough money. It wasn't just for those who were intellectual enough. It wasn't just enough for for those who uh, were on the right social status in their lives. Jesus came in a place where everybody could happen to run into Him. And He does the same today. One of the problems in our lives, one of the reasons why we don't have room for Jesus in our lives is we've stopped expecting Him to show up. And so we've lost the joy of that moment when He reveals Himself to us. As a matter of fact, I would suggest to you half the time we miss it. When He shows up, especially around Christmas time. I was... Uh, thinking about when, when, when you ha- have a friend come for Christmas or, or you, you run into someone you haven't seen in a long time at a Christmas party. 
And all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's what? Oh, no, you again. No, oh, it's so good to see you. I haven't seen you in forever. What's going on in your life? This is a moment of what? Pure joy. It's like that that Christmas morning when you get that gift you never thought you'd get. And there it is. Or maybe you didn't expect a gift at all. And there it is. And all of a sudden your heart is filled with joy. (coughs) And, And you sometimes don't know how to respond. It's like your mouth is open, your eyes are big, and you're like, how do I, how do I say thank you? I want you to think of the gift Jesus offers you this morning. You see, he, he offered you the gift of love, the gift of forgiveness, The gift of guilt-free living. The gift of eternal life. You see, that's what Jesus offers this morning. And if you would accept that, I can guarantee you He will fill you with incredible joy. Because in that moment, you will be his child. And then everything becomes a gift from God. And all of a sudden, all those times when you had run out of time, run out of room, run out of everything, Jesus shows up and He says, but I'm the gift for you. And if you have that relationship with Him, it's the greatest gift in the world. And He restores joy to your life. You know what? To me, one of the most incredible things of Jesus' birth is that He was born so that He could give His life for us. And the Scripture says that He was willing to endure the cross, the shame of the cross, the pain of the cross, the loss of the cross. He was willing to do that for the joy that was guaranteed by His Father, the Almighty God. And this morning, that's what He offers us. You say, Pastor, my life is a struggle right now. Okay, it's a struggle. Amen. It's in the midst of the struggle that God will provide room. If you're willing to move with Him, He'll make room. He'll appear. Put your trust in Him. This morning you say, well, Pastor, I I just don't have time for other people. It's just way too busy. There's too much going on. Wait, wait, wait. Stop a minute. One person. Take time for one person. You got that person in mind? If not, just start looking. Jesus will provide somebody. Take time with one person. He'll begin to make space in your life. Remove the fear. Say, okay, God, if you're with us, I don't need to be afraid. I want that. I'm going to pick that one person. Who is that one person? Think right now. And then expect him to show up and be ready to rejoice. The angel appears to Joseph or to, to um, 
Zechariah, unexpectedly. Zechariah is filled with joy, but because he didn't believe it uh, or had, it, had a hard time believing it, he couldn't even share it with anybody. So he's trying to share with uh, movements, and his wife's going to have a baby. He's all excited. He's got to write it down to let her know, and he can't even share it. All that good news, and he can't share it till the baby's born. The angels appear to, to the shepherds. The shepherds hear this great news. They run down into town. They're all excited. They didn't expect angels to show up to them, and there they are. The angel appears to Mary. She didn't expect that. Certainly she didn't expect to be pregnant. She didn't expect to be chosen. And yet God decided to choose her and unexpectedly shows up before Christmas to announce the birth of his son. And that she's going to bear his son. Joseph, all confused. What's he going to do now? His fiancée, the woman he's pledged to be married to, is pregnant and he knows it's not his. What's he going to do? And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here comes an angel in a dream to explain to him that this is of God. Take Mary home as your wife. Can you imagine? He woke up the next day having gone through the night, almost a sleepless night, in and out of dreams probably, just struggling. How is he going to deal with this? All of a sudden, it's all making sense now. (sighs) What joy. What joy. Mary and Joseph travel all those days trying to get to Bethlehem before the baby would be born. They get there and they can't find a place to stay. Everybody's there because of the census. Life is chaos. They feel like there's no room. Where is God in all of this? Why isn't God providing a place? And then all of a sudden, this place becomes available. Not the Hyatt, but the stable. And in that place, God's Son is born. There's room. There's room for you. And there's room for God in your Christmas. Open your heart to Him this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You for our time together and for Your Word. Forgive us, Lord Jesus, for all the times when we are so caught up And all the things that we failed to make room for you. We made room for the Christmas tree, but we didn't make room for the cross. We made room for, for the Santa Claus or for the the snowman. But we failed to make room for you. Help us, Lord Jesus, in the midst of our circumstances to trust you enough that we would really be willing to follow you through whatever the circumstance and believe that you will make room and that you will show your face. Lord, there are some here this morning going through incredible struggles. We pray for Christmas miracles in their lives. 
where they would actually see your hand at work in powerful ways. Maybe in unexpected places. Maybe through people that they didn't think really cared. But Lord Jesus, come. Lord, this morning we pray that we would make room for You not just at Christmas, but every day of our lives. We pray for those, Lord, who don't have a relationship with You and and this morning are trying to figure out what Christmas is really all about. Help them to see that it's not the decorations and it's not the songs and it's not It's not even the candles on Christmas Eve, but it's You. It's Your love. That You would be willing to come. Come into our lives. And that You want to be a part of their life. Lord Jesus, come and meet with us as we respond to You. That we might have a Christmas filled with You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.